0: We're getting toward the end of the epistle of 1 John. And in the section we are covering last week and this morning, verses 9 to 12, John is discussing what God has done from heaven to reveal on earth through natural experiences what he has done to specifically declare that Jesus is his beloved son now one of the things you might have noticed when we are looking at the gospel I'm sorry the letter of John this epistle first john and i think i can say this somewhat accurately is that in many ways first john is, if you would, not only a synopsis, but kind of a commentary in a shorter way on the gospel of John. Have you noticed that? Have you seen that? Everything that John is talking about is already in the gospel of John. Everything he talks about is in the gospel. So he's reiterating and amplifying in some cases. And so you remember last week in verse 9a, we say a meaning the first part of the verse because some verses have three statements in them, some have two, some have just one. The first part of the statement last week was what? That if we're going to believe the testimony of men, remember we're talking about the testimony that God has given to the world that Jesus is his son in verse 8, what? What? The water, the blood, and the spirit, the spirit. We're going to believe the testimony of men. And that's what the natural way is to do. That's great. So John sets it up. Everybody believes the testimony. If you're somewhere and you have witnesses and everybody is credibly saying the same thing, we're going to say, yeah, it's true. So this morning we're going to talk about The next two statements, the first statement in John, I'm sorry, verse 9 is the testimony of men is true. And if the testimony of men is true, therefore, so verse, the second statement is in verse 9b. If we believe the testimony of men, then John says the testimony of God is what is greater If we are able to believe the testimony of what people say, of the natural evidence, the external manifestation of whatever, and specifically the water, the blood, and the spirit. Now, you have to remember that these testimonies are testimonies that were visible and experienced by many people some of whom were still living, you remember, when First John is written. And we talked about that last week. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, says, well, Jesus appeared, you know, to Cephas and to James, but he also appeared to 500. Many of y'all are still around. And there was no credible testimony from the same period of time that in any way contradicts the testimony of, of what the New Testament says about Jesus being the Son of God. Amen? Please remember that, because you're going to hear a whole lot of talk. Well, this letter was found, and the papyrus of this was found, and it contradicts whatever. Really? Really? So when you read it, is it out of the same period of time? Uh, well, you know, that there's nothing out of the same period of time. How do we know that Jesus rose from the dead? Because there was no body to be found. And these men and women were tortured. Their families were destroyed. They were thrown in jail. They were ostracized. For what? A hoax? A hoax? Do you think so? Something that a few fishermen and a couple of other guys put together. Here's the fact of the matter. Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? So if you believe the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. So since we're able to believe the testimony of fallible, believe fallible testimony It stands to reason that we should be able, listen to my words, should be able to receive the infallible testimony of God. Are we all with me today? And what is the testimony that God has given in these three witnesses? What has God said? What is God's witness? What is God's testimony in the water, the blood, and the spirit? That takes us to the third part of verse 9, 9c. For the testimony of God is this. The testimony of God in these three witnesses is this. He has testified concerning his son. Each one of these three is a testimony, is a declaration, is a verifiable, verifiable, natural, external proof that this is God's son we're dealing with here. So essentially, this is what God is saying. I have given humanity all of the external evidence that is required for them to believe that Jesus is my son. Do you believe that? I have given to humanity all of the natural external evidence that anyone needs to look at the evidence. And to conclude, this evidence says one thing, that that man was in fact the son of God, and that he is alive today, ruling and reigning from heaven, and he's coming back. So, that being the case, what is the obvious question? Well, How many of you know this? You have family and friends. And you are looking at the same or they are looking at the same evidence. Do you have family and friends who are looking at the same evidence that you are? Are you here today? Anybody have a family or friend? They see the same evidence. Are we all seeing the same evidence? Well, Karen, what's the question? If I saw the evidence and believe, why Why aren't they seeing the same evidence and not believing? Why are they not believing, Ray? What's the difference? You see, all of this evidence out there. And the issue is this. Of all the people who live, will live, or ever have lived upon the face of this earth. And this is a tough one. Only a tiny minority believe the evidence. Are you with me today? Why? Well, you know, this gets into some of the deep things about God. But at least let's talk a little bit about it. Why don't they believe? Well, listen to these two scriptures. Look, why don't they believe? Well, they won't believe because what you're doing here, you're not being specific enough when you teach. You're not living it right, so they don't see it. And they give all, people give all kinds, from church people, give all kinds of spurious reasons, philosophical, natural explanations of why others don't see the same evidence the way we do. So could we today decide to shut our mouths as to the opinions of humanity in this area? Amen? And could we decide, we're going to look at what God himself tells us of why people don't see. So I have two scriptures here. The first one is 1 Corinthians 2.14. A natural man, this means a man like everybody living on the earth that is looking around, looking at all the evidence, looking at things and perceiving with his natural eyes, hearing with his natural ears. Uh, smelling with his natural nostrils. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Why not? Why doesn't he? Why doesn't he, Rosa? Look at the next part of the verse. Is it in your notes? He what? Why doesn't he? Why? Because he can't. He just can't. Renee, they cannot see. Craig, they cannot see. Nick, what? They cannot see. Linda, they cannot see. Or oh, do we get it? We must get this because there are too many in the church today who are trying through their natural abilities. To convince people and try to get them or make them see. Are you with me today? They're trying to encourage them to see. They're trying to give them innumerable illustrations to help them to do what? To see. Is it wrong to give illustrations? No. Is it wrong to explain clearly and accurately? No, in fact, it's correct. Is it wrong for us to have that other person or persons want to be able to and therefore to be able to see? Is that wrong? No. But the Word of God here says this. The person cannot understand. Why? Because they are spiritually appraised. You see, God does not give his grace to those who don't need his grace because they can figure it out on their own. You can say amen. Why do I want amens? I want to know that you're here and that you are walking along with me in this. Did you understand what I just said? God does not give his grace to those who believe they don't need his grace. Who believe they can do it on their own, who are are trying to do it on their own. God is very possessive. He isn't going to share his glory with anything in and of the creation, meaning sharing, make it. Compatible with the natural creation. It's not going to do it. How many of us already know? First, it should be Second Corinthians four four. You need to correct your notes on that one. I think it's in there one. It should be a two. Second Corinthians four four. What? Why don't people believe? Because the God of this world has done what, Joe? Blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they may not see what the light of the gospel. And what's the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's the best definition of the gospel. I think there is someone asks you, what is the gospel? You can tell them the gospel Is the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And then go into more detail. So. How is anyone able to believe? How many of you can remember? And I say that because some can't. And it's okay. Because the proof of our salvation. Isn't an experience years ago. The proof of. And that's fine to have that experience. But the proof of our salvation is what? Remember the three proofs? The three-legged stool, what are they? The doctrinal proof that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The moral proof that we find ourselves, what, walking in obedience to God. And then what's the third one? Relational proof that we are loving one another with the same love with which we have been loved by God. I always put that caveat in there because they say we must love one another. Well, if we don't specify what love that is, we are simply trying to love one another with the natural love and we're going to fail. We're going to be frustrated. We're going to be, what, burning up. I'm trying to be patient, brother. I'm trying to be patient with you. You ever hear that? I'm trying to be. the problem is you're not being patient with God's patience so we're to love one another not just to love one another I love you or try as hard as we can but submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit and relying upon him we love one another as he has loved us amen With the same, if you would, the fruit of the spirit as probably one of the best examples given in one sentence. So, okay. How is anyone able to believe? The answer is that no one has intrinsic ability. I don't know. This statement may not be in your notes, but a lot of things I say. No one has intrinsic ability. What does the word intrinsic mean? Hmm? Nick? I can't hear you, brother. Internal. No one has, native to who he is, of myself, ability. There's not a person on the earth. Never has been, never will be. Except for one man has the intrinsic ability. No one has the intrinsic ability to believe God's testimony. So, therefore, we get to verse 10, the first part of verse 10. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony. The external testimony that God has given. The one who believes in the Son of God. The one who believes that Jesus Christ is Lord has the testimony in himself. Now, again... How many of us remember the day we were saved? Can you remember that? Now, let's think a second. How did you get saved? Did you do something to conjure those feelings and desires? Oh, you didn't say something and ask. Therefore, when you asked Jesus, when you said, uh, you know, come into my, when you did, then you've had the feelings. Is that what happened? There was something that happened where? On the inside of each one of us. Something that happened on the inside of each one of us. And that something on the inside caused us. To begin experience something, Gordon, that we never experienced before, Chris. I ain't never had it this way before. I've lived all these years and all of a sudden, I begin to feel, Ronnie, a need in me that I've never felt before. Something very different, unique. I begin to have a sense. I'm a sinner. I began to have a sense of concern. Are you with me? I'm concerned. I mean, I've known all my life I was not that great. Right, Lloyd? You knew all your life. You were kind of like, <laughs> I knew that all my life, Tammy. I wasn't the best guy in the block. I knew that, Nathan. I knew it. And it didn't bother me you know, I don't want to get caught. I don't want to get in trouble. You know, my mama half beat us to death. You know, I don't want to do anything wrong because of personal experiences. But I wasn't afraid on the inside. Do you see? Nothing was happening on the inside of me to kind of, uh uh-oh, something's going on. I'm beginning to feel something for the first time. And this feeling was accompanied. Remember, listen. Listen to yourself, your memory. This feeling was accompanied with this. Jesus has paid it all. Are you with me? All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. But what? He has what? Washed it white as snow. How many times I used to sing that song. We used to sing it in church. Remember Pharaoh? Didn't mean a thing. And then one day. Oh, something was going on inside of me, Angel. Inside of me, Miguel. Inside of me. It's called being born again. It's called being regenerated by the Holy Spirit. It's the day or the moment when God made all the external evidence. Created it in an an internal reality. Charles, do you remember that? That which had been outside of me. Now became where? inside of me in a living way and my uh, my response to being born again was to call upon the name of the Lord, was to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart about Jesus. You notice it comes as a result of being born again because God had to change my stony heart from one who, that's what I think of it all, to one who says, Jesus. And so I believe with my heart. Don't you ever think that that verse has to do with what you better do first and then God will come along. It is the response of a heart that God has changed from stony to flesh. Amen? That's what that's about. See, this happens. This Internal revelation happens when the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of our hearts to believe the testimony of God. And you may have it in your notes, I'm not sure, but when you again read Ezekiel 36, verses 26, what? I will give them a new heart. I will put my spirit in them. I will, I will, I will, I will. That's the internal, that's the external that God has given us, causing it to become internal by His Holy Spirit. Acts 16, you remember Paul was down by the riverside, boom, boom, in Philippians, of uh, Philippi, and they found a couple of women over here. Do you realize how many women believe the gospel before the men? Huh? You haven't thought about that. Okay. And there are women here. One of them is named what? Lydia. Lydia. And so Paul doesn't say, look, I'm, gonna, I'm going to share with the people at my table. I'm going to share with my neighbors. I'm going to share the gospel with these people. And I want to try to do the best I can. And you do. There is a sense of that, Yes. But Paul went down there and began to share Christ with them. And Lydia believed. You remember that? But why did she believe? Did she believe because she said, Paul, I want to believe in Jesus. And Paul said, well, if you believe in Jesus, then God will save you. Do you hear that regularly? Are you with me today? If you believe in Jesus, God will save you. Do you hear that? No. What does the verse say? And what happened? What did the Lord do? Opened her heart. Why? So she could respond to the gospel. That which was external became internal by the Holy Spirit's power, not by the will of this woman. You get that explanation in John 1.13. See, this has nothing to do with our ability. And so what that should do, what that should do is relax us. Because I've seen it over and over again. And I have to be careful about it in my own life. We have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. And so we're going to try in our own power to do the best and to think of the most and give the best explanations and encourage, right? And so what happens, Lloyd, Floyd, I always say Lloyd, but it is Floyd. Floyd, you have sat there with this lady next to you and you shared for 30 minutes. And she sits there looking at you like, And at the end of the time, she effectively says, nice to meet you, fella, and walks away. How many of us feel that we have failed in some area? Come on, come on, come on. Have you failed at all? No. You see, you may write this down if you don't know it. Success in ministry is ministering. The success has nothing to do with the response. I am successful in teaching because I teach. Do I have a desire for everybody to be in here and learn the word of God? Yes, of course. But is my success contingent upon your response no this is the work of the Holy Spirit the response and so in this class like in any class or any sermon if you are experiencing anything if you are receiving anything from God if you are understanding better increasing in revelation If the Holy Spirit is pointing to an issue in your life that needs to be dealt with, if anything like that is going on, that is not the result of Peter Davidson, of Keith Collins, of Nick Missiles, of Todd Tucker. Whose work is that? That's the Holy Spirit's work. Yes, we are vessels, but God is the one who creates that which is inside and pours it in and causes it to transform other people, correct? So it really should begin to relax you a little bit and, not, and take away from you the burden of how well you do. How, how often have we thought of this? You've just shared. You've just taught the women's group. You've just let in prayer. You've just done whatever it is that you've done in obedience to the Lord leading you in ministry. And it's finished. You're going home. You're sitting there or whatever it is that you're doing. And all of a sudden, you begin to wonder, I wonder how that was. Two hands. I wonder how I did. I wonder if I said enough. Come on, come on. Was I clear? You know, those are okay to the extent that we want to be men and women of integrity and accuracy in the word. But what's really being said probably most of the time is, what about me? I'll tell you. Not as much in school of the word, although it has been some time. But when I preach on Sunday morning, which I'm coming back in a couple of weeks. When I preach on Sunday morning, driving home, I am going through one humonger of a battle with. That was nothing. You missed the point. Nobody got it. It didn't help anybody. You should have said it this way. Why didn't you do it that way? Are you with me? And I have to fight that battle almost every time. And you say, well, you've been doing it all these years. What?" It's still a battle. You know, you can be a soldier for 50 years, but when the arrows start coming, you better be careful and you can get hit with an arrow. And it hurts as bad after almost, I'll be 79 in two weeks. In seven, At 79, it hurts as much today as it did when I was 25. I still have to guard myself. But look at these sobering words. In the second part of verse 10, we're talking about the one who has a testimony, has it in himself. What In himself, the Holy Spirit in him. But then he said, the one who does not believe God has made him a liar. And because not believe the testimony that God has given concerning his son. Let's remember this. The reason people don't believe our testimony is not because of anything intrinsic to us. The reason humanity in general, except for the believers, the reason they don't believe Is they don't want to believe. Don't you ever believe someone. Naturally believe. But not in the spirit. Who says. I've always wanted to believe in God. And you know that person's not a believer. Well Flo. What is he saying? What is she saying? I've always in my natural person. Wanted to have a belief in a God in my own image. Come on, come on. You see, because believing in God, we believe in this being. We have been transformed by this being who is utterly different than we are. Correct? And there's no way for any human being on earth to believe in that kind of a God. Just no way. That God has to come inside of us and to transform us with the revelation of his character and of his purpose, of his presence in us. When do all people believe in God? Why, what about the people in China? What about the people in West Wego, Louisiana? Chalmette. What about all those people? They don't have, they don't have the Bible. They, what do we read in Romans chapter 1? God has given all the necessary external evidence to believe in him. And why didn't they believe? You remember the heavens declare the glory of God? Why didn't they believe? Verse 21. For although they knew God, look, knew about God. Everybody knows about God. Are you with me? Everybody. Everybody. Mahaney, everybody believes. I'm sorry, knows about God. Although they knew about God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. They said, nope, we're not going that way. Nope. You see, in effect, they're calling God a liar. And what is Jesus talking about in Matthew 12, 31? Remember, he's doing the great works of God, and the Pharisee says what? You're doing that by the power of the devil. Are you with me? And so they're not insulting Jesus. Jesus. You see, because what Jesus is doing, what the Holy Spirit is giving Jesus to do, leading Jesus to do, inspiring Jesus to do, empowering Jesus to do. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in this man that we are seeing through this man. And when they say, look, that's Beelzebub, Jesus said, look, you can talk about me and call me all kind of things that can be forgiven. You remember the Apostle Peter even cursed that he knew Jesus. He says, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, what? Cannot, will not be forgiven. Why? Because, you see, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is doing exactly what John is telling you. When you don't believe the testimony of God, and these Pharisees did not believe that this was God in the flesh doing these work by the power of the Holy Spirit, they were debunking jesus if you would but they were calling god a liar or in effect they were calling the spirit of god a liar and when a person lives a life calling the holy spirit a liar what he cannot be saved he cannot be saved so if you're ever wondering whether you blaspheme the name in that context if you're a believer you've not blasphemed god and so in the last two verses, 11 and 12, John explains the great blessings of believing in Jesus. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. To receive God's testimony is to receive God's gift of eternal life. You remember Romans 6, 23? For the gift of God, what? The wages of, sin is, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Where? When? How? In Christ Jesus, our Lord, and this is eternal life it's in His Son in John seventeen three remember Jesus gives us the definition of eternal life. Does anybody remember it? What does Jesus say? This is eternal life. What does he say? For this is eternal life, that they may know you or thee. Who alone are truly God. Who is the one true God. That's Deuteronomy 6.4. And Jesus Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. That they believe the testimony of God. That Jesus is the son of God. Believing that. Is having received eternal life. Believing that doesn't get us eternal life. We have eternal life. By the gift of the spirit. When we are born into the kingdom of God. And as a result of that. Now we have eternal life. We don't believe to receive. We receive to believe. Are we beginning to get this? We don't believe to receive. We receive in order to believe. In believing God's testimony, we have received, listen to this, we have received the same life that God gave to his incarnate son. You see, we must be careful. We're not just talking about, I have Jesus, I have a person. What do we have a person? Yes, but more than that. In receiving Jesus, we have been given the very life of God Himself. Not just another life. We have been given. God has shared with us His very life. And has placed within us His eternal life. Now, when is God going to die? He ain't never dying. So what does that mean? The life of Christ in us, therefore, We have that life. Therefore, our life now, our new life in Christ, will never die. This means that we have received the same life which is in Jesus. The same life that the Son of God had when he walked this earth, we have now been given that same life. So let's make sure we see what this is. Not just something we have been given We have been given the very life, and in this life is the very character, the very nature, the very essence of God's who he is, his presence, and his purpose in us. We have been joined relationally to God in Christ by the Holy Spirit, and we ain't ever going to be unjoined. We have now received the relational life of God. I think I said that. As a result, we are now partakers of the divine nature. Second Peter one four. And this is a result of the eternal life of the Spirit verse twelve. This is the result. He who has the Son has what? The life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Just in closing here, are people damned? Because they sin. Or do they sin. Because they are damned. You know how many Christians want to say. You're doing this and that and the other thing. And if you're not careful. Or you shouldn't be doing that. Et we try to make it based on sin. No. We're condemned because we are in Adam. In Adam all men die. We are saved because we are in Christ. We sin because we are in him who sinned from the beginning. It's not the sin that is our problem. That is a manifestation of our problem. The issue is not what I do, but to whom I belong and who belongs to me. My position produces My activity. Correct? So next week, next couple weeks, we'll be going through verses 13 to 17, if I can remember correctly. Thank you so much.